Jim Marshall, a human development engineer. He wrote Septemics. It's a book on what he feels are the seven levels of <clears throat> of that humans can be in. There's uh, 35 scales in each level. Uh, it's 40 years of work that Jim has poured into this. Jim has helped thousands of of people through different stages and and problems and and difficulties they've had in their in their life. His book walks you through each of the steps, teaches you how to find out where you are and help you get to the next level. A fascinating discussion from from a, a human development engineer. He's poured his life work into this into this book. A very interesting discussion. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I'm hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Very exciting. Jim Marshall, thank you so much for your time today. I, I really appreciate it. Septemics, you've discovered yes. it. It's seven levels. It's based on 35 scales or sequences, and it's all fact and no opinion. opinion. It's, it's uh, based on empirical data. Can you, can you elaborate? Can you introduce us to Septemics? Okay. So first I should say that I have discovered hitherto unknown human phenomena, which greatly aid in the understanding of human affairs, from which I constructed a revolutionary philosophic system called Septemics, and which I published in a book called Septemics, Hierarchies of Human Phenomena. This book, has already been proven to dramatically improve the life of anyone who takes advantage of it and has actually been doing so for many years now. I wrote this book for anyone who can read English and wants to improve oneself or one's life. More specifically, the target audience is literate adults interested in subjects like psychology, philosophy, human potential, applied philosophy, self-help, psychology, 
pardon me, psychological philosophy, humanities, social science, interdisciplinary studies, human development, and personal improvement. But having said that, I have to say, this is a new subject. I wasn't looking for a new subject. And after I started working on it, it just presented itself as a new subject. So all of those things I mentioned, it doesn't really fit into any of them. They fit into this. Hmm. And how does it help people? Well, anyone who studies and applies this book can significantly improve his life uh, because the book clearly explains what might otherwise seem to be inexplicable or random. There are 35 scales, each of which is unique. Uh, and together, they span the spectrum of human experience, meaning, I already know this from 26 years of work with this, there's no situation that's going to arise in the life of a human that will not res be resolved by one or more of these scales. Now, in order to span the spectrum of human experience, you have to have 35 unique scales. And I can tell you the names of the scales if you're interested. That might give you some well, I, sense of... Yeah, I have them here. Motivation, identity, thought, etc. But yes. Okay, so let's just try to be practical here. Uh, loss of a family member. Okay. So there's a loss of a family. Unfortunately, we've had a lot of gun shooting recently, and there's loss of family members. How does Septemics apply and help solve that problem? Okay, first of all, let me tell you how it's beneficial in a general sense, and then I can tell you more specifically. Each okay. of these scales provides the user with an infallible way of determining the salutariness or beneficialness of any group, individual, or activity. If the group, individual, or activity moves persons or groups up these scales, it's beneficial or positive. If it moves them down, it's negative or detrimental. More importantly, just finding out what level you or another person or some group is at is by itself enlightening and beneficial. And finally, once you know the actual level of a person or group, you can improve that person or group by moving them up one level at a time. All of these advantages represent major steps forward for society. Each of these scales is an axis against which to evaluate human behavior. Combined, they empower one to understand, predict, and manage human affairs to a degree hitherto unattainable by most. Now I'll give you a more specific answer. The data in this book are vital because they can help you to achieve your goals faster and easier by explaining what might otherwise seem to be inexplicable or random. If someone were to invite you to a rendezvous, you would certainly expect them to tell you the exact location. Jim, I, I just, I'm just going gonna, gonna to stop you here. I, I've read yes. all this. You're just reading to me now. Anybody can kind of read this. Let's, let's okay. just get kind of practical. Let's, so I, I gave you an example. Uh, I gave you an example of, of, of trauma that happens to somebody. How can septemics help them? Okay. So first of all, I want to say it's not a substitute for a therapist. Okay. 
It's, it's a handbook for managing human affairs. Having said that, I would talk to the person, find out the situation, what's going on with him. And this varies from person to person because not everybody's gonna have the same reaction to the same stimulus. And then I would find one or several scales that apply to that situation. And then I would help him to find his level on that scale. Now, when a person has a trauma, he's usually knocked down a level or several levels, often on several scales. So he's gonna be in a lower position relative to where he was before. And I would help the person in a very specific way to find his level. Now, if you know the material, that's not hard. It jumps out at you. It tells you what's happening because you see the spectrum and you say, okay, I'm right there. That in itself will brighten up the person. Then I would use the book to move him up one level. Now, by doing that, you have just improved the person's condition. You see, one of the axioms of this subject is that you can never skip a level. This is actually good because it solves the gradient problem. You see, each of these 35 scales gives you the exact gradients of how to get from the bottom to the top in each one of these 35 areas. And this is a big problem for most people. You see, you can't lose 100 pounds, but you can lose one pound 100 times. And any good teacher or coach or facilitator or therapist understands the gradient problem. You have to find the gradient that the person is at and then move him at a, in a way that he can handle. And each of these scales is a roadmap for some area of human activity. So you would have to find out exactly how this impacted him. He would find the level and you move him up one level and, and he will be happy with that, relieved with it. In fact, just finding his level will brighten the person up. So what scale applies depends on the person. It depends on the situation. It's, this book is designed to fit the person. It, it's not generally applicable. Uh, in other words, there are general scales and there are specific scales, uh, but it's designed to have an individual help himself or using the book, help another. Are you yourself at the seventh level, the highest level? Okay. First of all, I have to tell you that I have a strict rule that I never give the level of any person who's living. It's not mm -hmm. ethical and it's not fair. It would be like my boxing with Rocky Marciano. It's not a boxing match. I would be asleep in 10 seconds. So I have this power, which is that I know this material upside down, inside out, and backwards. I can meet a person and in seconds know his level on any one of several scales. And I can take a person just from my observation of him and do a complete analysis where this guy is on all these scales. And I've actually done that in the book. At the end of the book, I took three actual people I knew well 
and I did a complete analysis without mentioning any names or even genders. And so you can see that people are high on one scale and low on another. So that's the first thing. But I also can tell you there are very few people who are at one near the top of all of these scales. Very few. I give some examples in the book of people who are at the top of specific scales. For example, the scale of equanimity. I give Jesus of Nazareth as an example of someone who is at level one of the scale of equanimity, the top of the scale. Hmm. He's on the cross and he says, forgive them. That's the ultimate in equanimity. Okay. So uh, I do give levels for deceased people. But, for example, uh, as to the usability of this material, I can tell you, if I wanted to, because I know the exact basic purpose of every president of the United States going back as far as Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And the reason it goes back as far as Roosevelt is we have a lot of video, audio, books, text, and such. So it's not hard to observe these people. Uh, and when you observe somebody, he doesn't have to be in the room. He can be on a film, okay? And you listen to what he says. Because people will actually tell you their levels. It comes out of their mouths. It's no big secret. You just have to know the levels. You have to know the book. So, uh, for example, George Washington and Thomas Jefferson were at level Three on the scale of basic purposes. Okay? It's not an opinion. It's observable. Level three of the scale of basic purposes is what I call the winner. The goal of the winner is to win. Those guys won and won and won, and no matter what situation they were in, they won. They were not interested in just having a normal life, like the people at level four are normals. Okay? So as opposed to at level two, you have Abraham Lincoln and Winston Churchill. They're per they were leaders. It's a different thing. It's one level. But you see there's a polarity shift between each one of these levels. So there's kind of a reverse. That's part of the mathematical underpinnings of this. Because when you have a polarity shift, you cannot possibly mistake these levels because it's a complete reverse. So uh, winners, you might say, are feathering their own nests at level three. At level two, leaders, they're down for the struggle. They're willing to suffer to achieve their objectives. Uh, the goal, the objective of the leader is conquest. Now, you might say, well, conquest is not a good thing. Well, that's a matter of whose ox is being gored. For example, mm. when the Allies conquered the Nazis, that was a good conquest. Even for the people in Germany and Italy and Japan, it was a good thing. Okay? Uh, Lincoln conquering the Confederacy was a good thing. So, uh, and if you study Lincoln, he had a terrible life. He suffered terribly, but he had spectacular ability. He had, at most, one year of school. And yet he became possibly the best lawyer in his state. And if you read 
uh, the second inaugural address and the Gettysburg Address, you can see he was brilliant. He did what everybody thought was impossible. He saved the Union and ended slavery. So he's an example of a leader, okay? So, of course, there are seven basic purposes, and everybody has one of those seven basic purposes. Now, of course, everybody has many purposes. If you say, I think I'll go out and get some ice cream, that's a purpose. But it's not your basic purpose. Your basic purpose is something that, in most cases, lasts for your whole life. Uh, most people do not change on that scale. It's a general scale. Now, there are other scales where, uh, I call them specific scales, where not only can you change, but they can be applied in many ways. For example, the scale of motivation. Well, what's your motivation toward your wife? What's your motivation toward your son? What's your motivation toward your boss? What's your motivation toward your mother-in-law? Okay? So well, the fact that there are only seven helps you. You're not going through a million possibilities. You're going through seven. And you find your level and you know, okay, that's my motivation. Now, that's important because that enables you to improve it one level. And you will be able to do that. See, people usually fail because they don't know the gradient. They don't know exactly where they're going. Most people go through life aimlessly. They don't know where they are, where they're going, or how to get there. And this book completely solves that across 35 axes. If somebody's a high achiever in one of your levels and something traumatic happens to them, does that lower them down levels? Yes. Very often when you see a person crash, and when I say crash, I'm talking about somebody who was previously doing well and is now doing very badly. What happened to that person is he tumbled down many levels on many scales as a result of one or more traumatic incidents. But you and can't so, skip a level. Right, you can't skip a level. You tumble down. But you realize every single person is somewhere on all 35 of these scales. So... When you're traumatized, you don't just drop on one scale. You drop on many scales. So you have a guy, right? His wife is murdered. He becomes an alcoholic. He loses his job. He loses his home because he's not paying his mortgage, right? He ends up on the street, okay? That's a person who tumbled down many levels on many scales. Now, some of these, for example, the scale of basic purposes, which I gave, it's very rare and difficult to get a person to either go up a level or down a level. To get a person to go down a level, he would have to be severely traumatized. We're talking about the kind of trauma that would involve hospitalization or going into an insane asylum. Uh, like a person who was in a Nazi death camp and survived, that might knock him down one level on scale of basic purposes. And I could give you examples of historical people who moved up one level on the scale of basic purpose. But most people don't have either a spectacular transformational experience or a severe trauma. Okay? A lot of the things that we consider traumatic, oh, my girlfriend left me. Well, 
that is not necessarily a big trauma. And that's one of the things I discussed in the book. What makes a trauma? Uh, that, that varies because something, two guys can go through the same thing and for one guy it's a trauma and another guy it's not. But yes, when bad things happen, it knocks you down. So you can come in knowing this material, pick up your friend, figure out his situation, open to the right one or, one or several right scales, help him find his level, and help him move up one level. And you have made a friend of, for life if you do that. What benefits do you get from moving up? There's an infinitude of benefits because everybody is different. You see, the way I found this material is this. Hmm. I was a human development engineer. I worked for many decades helping hundreds of clients. And as I was working with them, I started to observe that when they would improve, they would improve in predictable ways. Now, I never said this to anyone. <clears throat> I kept this to myself. Because my job is not to tell the person what's true or what's right or what I think. It's to get him to figure it out himself. And I was very good at that. Very often, I would know the result the person was going to get before he got it. Because I knew these scales. So what happened was I started writing these scales down. That the guy will go from here to here to here. And the next guy would come in and he would go through the same sequence. So I started writing them down. By about 95, I had about 32 scales of varying lengths. Now, there's one scale in particular I had that had six levels that I absolutely knew was correct. I had been watching it in action for many decades. In 1995, I discovered a seventh level for that scale. And when I inserted it in, the scale manifested mathematically. All of these implications jumped off the page in me. And that's what eventually came to be known as the scale of basic purposes. Now, you have to realize all of this was discovered empirically. I wasn't even looking for it. It just presented itself. And I wrote it down. Now, when I discovered that one six-level scale was actually seven and then had mathematical implications, I realized I was dealing with natural law. So... I said, I wonder how many of these other scales are actually seven-level scales. I just haven't developed them all the way yet. So I looked at the other scales, and because I knew what I was looking for, it was fairly easy for me to find the remaining levels on all these other scales. Of these 32 or so scales that I had, only two of them had seven levels. The others were all various numbers. So in this particular scale that I knew was correct, when I saw the mathematical implications, I studied all the others, and I realized they all had seven levels, and they all presented mathematical implications, all of them, one way or another. So then I realized, as an engineer, I was looking at natural law. I had stumbled across the discovery of the century. And so I researched this for 25 years. The original transcript was completed in early 96, and I gave it to 
colleagues of mine who were all highly educated and very brilliant. They were all blown away by it. And that told me, okay, I've got something here. So I started working on this. Now realize there are now 35 scales. Each of us has seven levels. That's 245 different levels, each of which had to be verified and each of which had to be expressed and explained in a way that would make sense to readers. This meant a lot of work. It's an 87,000 word book. So I had to go through word by word and say, how do I say this in a way that makes sense to people? So there was a lot of feedback going back and forth for many years. And as the implications presented themselves to me, I saw more depth to it. For example, I had the scales before I knew what axis they were measuring. See, that's why the scale of basic purposes was not called the scale of basic purposes until many years later. It took me almost 20 years to realize, what am I measuring here? What, what is this scale? And it took me some time to get that. Because you have to see, for example, I gave the scale of equanimity. Originally, I called that the scale of maturity because the levels look very much like what we call maturity in a person. But after a while, I realized that that was kind of a convenient way of saying it because it looked like that, but it really was the scale of equanimity. So labeling what the axis is makes a big difference. Because when you open the book, it says the scale of equanimity. And then you will look up the word equanimity. The, the glossary tells you right there what it is. Then you say, okay. And then you see how this breaks down at the seven levels. And what typically happens to the reader is on every scale, he says, yes, I see this. This makes sense to me. So, it's not hard to get people to understand this because of the way I wrote the book. Um, there is not only a glossary for every chapter, but a glossary for the introduction. So I am undercutting the semantic barrier to make it easy for people to understand it. So basically, if you can read English reasonably well and you want to improve yourself or your life, you should get this book. Because it's a very small investment. So do you, do you have, oh, very inexpensive. Yes. Do you have? Did you have other teams in other countries and other languages and other, you know, ethnicities testing this as well? <clears throat> no, not in other countries. Uh, but you have to realize that my clientele was international. I had people coming to me from Europe and other places like that, Australia. So. All but of but this, you had nobody else doing testing other than yourself, correct? Uh, Doesn't that make it anecdotal then? No, it's not anecdotal because the scales just presented themselves to me. In other words, I observed them in action before I knew what they were. But only to you. Would they present it to other people if, if so presented? Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it, when, I, when I presented this material to other people, of varying backgrounds. Like one guy had a uh, master's degree from MIT in engineering. Another guy had a doctorate in biochemistry and so forth. Another guy was an actual rocket scientist. These are my friends. 
and I presented them, they all said, yes, this works. This resonates. And this but is you present everything as fact. I, I realize that, and you, you, you have colleagues that appreciate it as well, but, but generally when studies happen, they're done to large groups by diff in different areas. The data is driven back. We see this happen with, you know, with, the, with the pandemic, with, the, with Pfizer and these drug companies, how these studies are done. But it just seems to me that you're the only one doing the studies. It seems anecdotal to me. Well, anything that's empirical is not anecdotal. Those are antonyms. Something that presents, right, in opposites. other words, yeah, if you go out. But empirical, again, data just shown that you've collected. Do you have other team members? Is there, are there other people that are doing this in different countries, across different genders, across different ages, across different sexes, etc.? Not exactly. As I said. So I how can it be empirical the, then? Pardon me? How can it be empirical then? Empirical means you observe a phenomenon. You know, I look at a rose, I look at a tulip. I say, well, they're both flowers, but they're very different. One grows from a bulb, one grows on a tree. Okay, that's empirical. So as I but say- It's from book, different observers, not just one. It doesn't matter how many people observe it. Empirical means you observe it. So One observes it. Well, the point is, when I show this to other people, nobody said, no, this doesn't make sense, this doesn't work, this doesn't go this way. That never happened. It's 26 years now. When I present this hmm. to people, you know, like I have a client, and I'll say, you know, you should get this book, it'll help you. And the guy will say, wow, this has changed my life. This is a life-changing book. So look, think of it this way. I want to read one sentence to you because I think it will answer your question. Okay. This is from the, the, the epilogue. The insights expressed here were garnered in the same way that Newton discovered the three laws of motion, that Einstein discovered the general and specific theories of relativity, that Mendeleev discovered the periodic table, that Darwin discovered the theory of evolution, that Archimedes discovered his eponymous principle, that Tesla discovered the alternating current generator, and that Pythagoras discovered his eponymous geometric theorem. In each case, the discoverer was able to look insightfully at a large body of data and derive an underlying pattern that explained them in relation to one another and express that interrelationship in a way that empowered the reader. So, the first propounding of the, of the heliocentric theory was in 300 BC by a somewhat obscure Greek philosopher whose name eludes me. Okay? It took 1,800 years for that insight to catch on when Copernicus, 1,800 years later, presented what is sometimes called the Copernican theory. So now, Anybody over about the age of six understands the heliocentric theory. I explained it to my son when he was three. Uh, hmm. We all sort of take it for granted. But prior to 1500, most people did not know that. So I have discovered something here. And, you know, when 
Tesla figured out the alternating current, if you study the man. It came to him in his mind. He said, I know how to build an alternating current engine. And he went to uh, the guy who invented General Electric, invented the light bulb, which is named Edison. He went Edison. to Edison. He said, I can build an alternating current uh, engine. And Edison said, well, I'll give you $25,000 if you can do it. And he built it, and Edison stiffed him. But the point is, it came to him. He knew what it was, and he built it. So that's how things get discovered. So first, I had to discover the phenomenon, which was a result of many decades of working with people successfully and just seeing what they did. Hmm. And then when I had that... When they had that first scale, got manifested mathematically. See, I'm an, an engineer. I took 26 semesters of math. I think mathematically. Right. Once I saw that this was mathematical, then I realized this is natural law. I was able to see it because it presented itself for me, even though I wasn't looking for it. And I was able to, because of my polymathic background, realize that this was big and started working with it and spent 25 years going back and forth with people. And the big thing about this was not getting people to accept it. That's the easy part. It was writing it in a way that people could grasp. That was the trick. What is the axis here? Uh, once you know the axis, then the seven levels really take on more meaning because you know what they're measuring and then expressing it in a way that would work for people. And this involved a lot of work on rearranging and changing. And, and so I was determined to give this to the people of Earth so that they could use it to help themselves. And Do you I consider succeed. yourself to be... To do you, you consider yourselves to be colleagues to those those people that you mentioned? Those, I mean, those people who discovered those scientific laws. Well, first of all, they're from other ages. They're all dead. I never met any of them. Uh, so that's not important to me. I'm not interested mm. in myself, how I think of myself, or how other people think of myself. I couldn't care less. What I'm interested in is helping people. So I'm going from helping people by the hundreds to helping people by the millions. That is what this is about for me because I came up with a system that works. You don't have to have a college degree to use this. You don't have to hire anybody to use this. All you do is for 10 bucks, you get the ebook and you just follow the instructions, which are very specific. I tell you how to study it, how to learn it, how to use it on yourself, how to use it on other people. And I put glossaries in to make it easy for you to see. For example, there's a scale of communication. That one scale alone is life-changing. Because if you master communication, you have real power. Well, the word communication has about 35 definitions. Hmm. So somebody could say, well, what definition is he using? So I give a specific definition. So there's no ambiguity 
about what definition there is for every word in each of the levels. And that helps the person, okay, I see what you mean here. So this is a filter that you can use <laughs> to look at human phenomena and have it make sense to you. It analyzes things for you. I did the hard work, that's done. Now, anybody who wants can open this book and figure out what's going on. You know, like say a guy has, has a girlfriend and he's having trouble with her. He doesn't know if he should marry her. He doesn't know if he should get rid of her. He can open up to the scale of allegiance or the scale of sexuality or the scale of relationships and study it and find where is he? Where is their relationship? You know, and it will be an eye opener. He will say, ah, I see. Now that might be a good I see and it might be a bad I see. But the important thing mm. is it's the truth. That's what I'm interested in. There were no Will there ever be an addendum to this? Uh, well, that could happen. Uh, since I'm the only expert on it, I don't know who else would do the addendum. Uh, no, for, for yourself. Do you ever think there's a, things you missed or things you may be able to add on to? Well, first of all, I, I could say there may be other scales. I mean, I suspect mm -hmm. there are other scales that I just haven't figured out yet. But I tell you, I spent 25 years working on this before mm -hmm. I published it. And I got input from colleagues of mine who thought they came up with scales, and they weren't. They weren't scales. Well, in some cases, they sort of got me to look at something, and I was able to see that there was a scale there. Uh, but yeah, there could be there could be an addendum. But the truth is, I put so much time into this book to make it foolproof. If you can read English reasonably well, and mm. you want to improve yourself. You can use this book. It's that simple. That's how I designed it. And as an engineer, I have confidence that the machine that I built, which is Septemix, works. I've seen it work for 26 years. I've seen it work on people who I wasn't even sure it would work on. Could you? I see. What, uh, eventually, maybe even having an app. For Septemics, where you're quizzing somebody to find out where they are and what scale and what level and helping no. them move along? No. This book is about human insight. Every human is unique. And my uh, acceptance of that tenet is one of the things that made me a good human development engineer. That the person that I'm dealing with, there's no other person in the universe like this person. I'm here to help this person, not some vague abstraction, okay? And by doing that, the data presented itself to me. And so then I said, well, I found a new subject and I'm gonna present this in a way that people can use. That's what's important to me, that people can use this to help themselves. Uh, and if you look at the titles of the scales, you'll see, it pretty much covers everything. I mean, there, there may be another scale. There may be several scales, but uh, 25 years 
for a person with my education is a lot of time to spend studying one thing. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, especially since... Where does discipline fall? Well, discipline, of course, is a necessary factor in any type of improvement, whether you want to improve yourself or improve another, especially self-discipline. Mm. So if you don't have the self-discipline to study the book, I'm sorry. If you don't have the self-discipline, if you don't have the self-discipline to say, okay, I'm going to take a look at this situation relative to this scale and find my level. You know, that takes a little bit of self-discipline. But it doesn't take the, the kind of self-discipline that it took for me to write the book over a 25-year period. It takes what you would call normal self-discipline. Hmm. You know, is, is, is discipline... Sorry. I made this I'm sorry, easy for people to use. That was the hmm. hard part. Could, could discipline be a scale? Well, I, I guess it could. I mean, I, I, uh, I haven't found any such scale. I mean, look, it's very easy to line things up in a scale, uh, seven mm. levels or other numbers. And there are a variety of such scales. That doesn't make it septemic. Uh, and I explain in the book why seven. It's a mathematical explanation. Yeah. I read about uh, it. It's fascinating yeah. when you derive that. But do you feel that, uh, where does discipline fit in your life? Well, I have a reputation as a very self-disciplined person. If mm. I were not, I never would have mastered all the subjects that I've mastered. Mm. I never would have won all the scholarships that I won. I wouldn't have gotten into elite universities and such. So... I did a lot of things in my life in a variety of areas that were around self-discipline. Uh, I have to tell you, if I make a million dollars from this book, it still will not work out to minimum wage for the amount of work that I put mm. into it. So that's a lot of self-discipline to keep working on something like that. Because you have to realize, I knew this subject. Before I had the idea of septemics, I knew the subject because these, these, these materials were presenting themselves to me 30, 40 years ago from my clients coming out of their mouths. Wow. You see? So I was using this all the time. And so I just got better and better and better at analyzing human situations and managing human situations to where I could... Uh, I've worked as a management specialist. I've worked as a facilitator. I've worked in a variety of contexts helping people, okay? Uh, and I've tutored many subjects because I know how it works. There's a scale of scholarship, which I understand perfectly, which enabled me to take a student and know how to work with him. So uh, my mission changed from helping people one-on-one, -on -one, to getting people to use this book. Uh, and, and I know that it works. There's, I know that absolutely the scales are correct. Now, let me tell you what I mean when I say no. If you ask me, is Joe Biden president? I would say, well, that's my understanding. I don't know that he's president. 
I understand. That's not the same thing. But I know the two sides of an isosceles triangle are equal. And I know that the acceleration of gravity near the surface of the Earth is 32 feet per second per second. And I know that in a right triangle, a squared plus b squared equals c squared. I know those things. It has nothing to do with belief. Okay? I know that the Earth rotates on its axis and revolves around the sun. Okay? So this is what I mean by no. It's about perception. Okay? Belief has nothing to do with it. Now, opinion, I'm not even interested in opinion. Anybody can have an opinion. And I've had a lifetime of ignorant people giving me stupid opinions. There are people who think that the earth is flat. That's not merely wrong. It's impossible. It's scientifically impossible. If you study the, the known data of physics, it cannot be true. So that's what I mean by no. So when I say I know these scales are correct, I'm not speaking glibly. I know these are correct the way I know the Pythagorean theorem. There's nothing you can do to convince me the Pythagorean theorem is wrong. Nothing. Now, if you torture me or give me a million dollars, I'll say, okay, it's wrong. Okay? But I still know it's right. It was right before Earth existed, and it will still be right after Earth no longer exists. And these phenomena are true. They are true in the truest sense of the word true. And that is why people who I don't even know read it and say, yes, this resonates. This makes sense. This works. Because as an engineer, what I'm interested in is, does it work? That's why I spent 25 years on it, to make sure that it was correct. Very few people would have been stubborn enough to do that. They would have just said, oh, I have something great and talk about it. I didn't do that. Wonderful. And I watched, yeah, I watched the feedback, okay? The feedback that I had from my clients gave me the data. And then when I put it together in a system called Septemex, and I started giving it to people, I looked at the results. I looked at the responses, okay? From all kinds of people across the spectrum. People from different countries, different ages, different genders. And I know that these scales are universally applicable to human beings. Now, of course, there are people who won't read books. I can't help them. There are people who uh, might read a book if they were forced to. They're probably not going to get this. And there are people who are literate but are not interested in helping themselves or others. They just don't care. Well, these types of people are discussed at, in the various scales. So the best thing about this book, I can tell your readers or your listeners, is that this book can save you from a fantastic amount of heartache, catastrophe, dilemma, difficulty, bankruptcies, divorces, jail sentences, because when you find somebody on a level, okay, 
the light bulb goes on over your head. You say, aha, this guy is at this level. And then you understand the person. So, for example, I talked about the presidents of the United States. Nothing those people did surprised me. Nothing. Because I know their basic purpose. Uh, so, when you understand somebody with these scales, this lens allows you to sort of, it takes the person and puts them under a microscope for you in 35 axes. So it's not like you're stuck with one way of evaluating them. Because some people will manifest one way and some people will manifest another way. So when I was a young person, I didn't have these data. And I made the same stupid mistakes that everybody else makes. So I got involved with people I never should have been involved with. But as this data came to me, I learned to stay away from certain types of people. I'll give you an example. I used to live in High Rise. There was a guy in my building who I already had been told was, I'll just say, a bad guy. Okay? But I never met him. But I heard from reliable, intelligent people. So one day, I go to my elevator, and here's the guy in my elevator. So I get on the elevator with this guy. Not a word was said. But I could tell this was a scary dude. This was somebody I was not going to mess with. I have no mafia dons, okay? Because I'm from New York. Actual mm. high-ranking guys. Scary guys. They had a sign on their forehead that said, psychopath, psychopath, psychopath. Mm. Okay? Mm. So I smiled. I shook hands. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a nice day. That's it. Okay? So now, I still bump into people like that. I bump into them on the internet. And I know, don't mess with this person. Because if you think you're going to get a good result for some of these people who are at these lower levels of the scale, you're mistaken. And I say that very specifically as regards each of the 35 different scales. Don't mess with this type of person who's at this level. Just skip over them, go to the next guy. Now, frankly, anybody smart enough to read this book is, doesn't need me to tell them that. They're going to figure that out. But still, I'm making it easy for people to use. So I, what I tell all my clients and readers is this is a textbook on a new subject. So study it like a textbook, meaning start on page one, literally. Go through. Study it. Look up words. Read the glossaries. Okay. When you get to the end, go back to the beginning and read it again and find your level on every scale. By the end of the second reading, you will be a new person. Because you would have been enlightened as to who you are and what's going on around you. Now realize many of these scales can be used in dozens of contexts. So, uh, like there's a scale of choice. Everybody is at some level of the scale of choice. Well, what do I mean the scale of choice? One of the most important themes in human creation is freedom. Everybody talks about freedom. It's the biggest subject in the world. Everybody wants to be free. What is freedom? Freedom is the ability to choose. 
If you can choose, you're free. If you can't choose, you're not free. So there are seven mm. levels of choice. So the people at the highest level are the freest people. And the people at the lowest level are not free at all. They have made themselves uh, into prisoners of their own device. So when you find yourself on this, you say, ah, okay. And again, you can do it specific. You can say, well, how am I as far as choosing dates or spouses? How am I as far as choosing employers or jobs? And you can see it might be different levels, you see? So you could just take that one scale, the scale of choice, and, and dramatically change your whole life. Now, I'm not saying you should do that because you should use all of the scales because the scales themselves will open up your mind. For example, there's a scale of permeation. Most people don't even know what permeation is. What's permeation? Mm. So I define it. Permeation is the basic action of a spiritual being. The reason you get sensation from your body is you're permeating it as a spiritual being. When you die, you stop permeating it. That is a moment of death. You withdraw the permeation. Okay, the body is still there. The corpse is right there on the ground. You're still in existence as a spiritual being, but you're not permeating it anymore. So therefore, you see a guy, he gets the firing squad, right? He gets seven bullets in his chest, okay? He, he leaves that body just like that. So that type of a shock, the guy will leave the body. He's dead. Before the, the doctor gets there with his stethoscope, he's dead. So that's the scale of permeation. Now, why is this important? Well, when you have two people who love one another deeply, that means they are permeating one another very well. Mm. They might be at level two or level one. When you get people who hate one another, they're at the bottom. There is no permeation. There's an absence of permeation. So we're talking about love here. Again, big subject. Everybody wants to know about it. What is love? What is the mystery of love? The whole thing is delineated in the scale of permeation. At the top, you have love, and at the bottom, you have hate. But it's all based on how much you're permeating someone or something. Jim, how much of septemics is art versus science? The only art in it is the art of a nonfiction writer being clear. Hmm. So the, the phenomena itself, which I discovered, was a scientific discovery. Then creating the system from it was an engineering feat. And then expressing it in a way that people, the most people will grasp, that took some art. But that's the same kind of art that any good nonfiction writer will have. It's completely different from writing fiction. I mean, I, I'm not a fiction writer. I mean, I've written some fiction, but, but I'm a very good nonfiction writer. And that came in handy when I wanted to write this book. 
because I had to express a brand new subject that nobody knows and express it in a way that people get. And a lot of feedback went into this, seeing how people respond to the chapters, respond to the way I express things. And in many cases, I it took many years for me to know what axis this was, what I should call the scale, what should be the names of the levels. And as I was working on that interactively for 25 years to express it. So it's just like, you know, there's the story about Sir Isaac Newton and the apple falls, right? Newton's apple. Okay. So whether or not that's true or not, uh, the, uh, the cognition that he had was that when the apple falls to the earth, it's the same thing as the moon falling around the earth. That was his insight. The moon is held to the earth by gravity just the way the apple, okay? But then he had to express this. So he gave us the three laws of motion which are expressed in a correct and concise way so that any serious student can understand. Moreover, he had to develop calculus. In his book, The Principia, he evolved calculus, which is intrinsic to the entire technological world, the entire world of science, engineering, mathematics. Calculus is right there in the midst of everything. He had to evolve that and write it in a book and express it in a way that somebody like me can understand. I read the Principia when I was, I think, 16. Okay. Made perfect sense to me. So he obviously expressed it well. People still read this book. Now, there, of course, you know, a lot of people who, in fact, most students who learn calculus don't read the book uh, because the teachers know here's how you teach calculus, and they teach it in a certain way that the students get if they're doing their assignments and paying attention. So, Jim, would uh, you ever consider I, teaching a course on septemics? I would love to. I doubt that that will happen. Because, Why? Because, first of all, let me explain something. Most people don't read books. Of the people who do read books, most of them read fiction books. Of the people who read nonfiction books, most of them are in a slot, meaning psychologists read psychology books, mathematicians read mathematics books, mm. historians read history, history. books. Right. Political science junkies read political science books, okay? This book does not fit into any of those slots. It does not fit hmm. into any course in any university on earth. It is a new subject. So... The way this book has to get shoehorned into the population is by self-interest. You know, a guy says, well, you know, I want to make a million dollars. And this guy says it's going to help me to achieve my goals faster and easier. Okay, I'll try it. That's how it has to work. Now, wow. I've often said most of the copies of this book will sell after my death. And the reason I say that hmm. is... It is going to spread by a grassroots roots movement. Okay. I know people with, within many 
with graduate degrees in many professions. I know mental professionals. I know engineers. I know scientists, okay? All of these people are protecting their turf. The last thing that a mental health person is going to want is for this book to catch on. For one thing, he's going to lose a lot of business. If you are not wow, so dying... There's, there's active forces against it. Very interesting. Yes. If you are not diagnosably insane, you can use this book. If you're a Looney Tune who belongs in a nut house, okay? Is that the scientific term? The, yeah. You're, you're not, you're not, it's just like, you know, it is an established fact in the mental health profession that psychopaths and sociopaths do not benefit from therapy. And I understand that perfectly. There, nobody is home. You, you cannot benefit Al Capone by giving him therapy. It's not going to work. Right. It's not for those people. It's for people like you and me, who want to learn, are willing to inspect ourselves, are willing to say, did I really do the right thing here? Am I really doing this correctly? Do I know what I'm doing here? Because that self-inspection is dramatically facilitated by this book because it gives you the seven levels of 35 different axes. So the best way to think about this book is the periodic table of elements, okay? Hmm. Before Mendeleev invented the periodic table, there was chemistry, but he revolutionized it by taking all the elements, putting them on one page in correct relation to one another. Now, how did he figure that out? Okay, he obviously was a brilliant guy. He looked at the elements, you know, he looked at the atomic structure and all of that and said, well, these are alike here and these are alike here. And he put them into a table. And since then, the periodic table, it's in every chemistry book, it's in every chemistry classroom, and every chemistry student on earth uses it in whatever language he speaks. Certainly. Every one of these tables is like the periodic table. It's like 35 periodic tables. One is for the scale of basic purposes. One is for motivation. One is for sexuality. One is for management. One is for politics and so forth. So when you look at this, it's just like when you study chemistry. I was a chemistry whiz. I would inhale the periodic table. You know, it was like, it was like completely imbibed into my mind. Okay. And most of that I had memorized. Now, these wow. scales are the same thing. When you look at the page, each scale is presented as a table, or you might call it a spreadsheet or a matrix. So you don't get a line, you get a matrix. So you see all of the fallout from this in the same way that you see the periodic table. So in subsequent generations, chemists and physicists added to the table because we understood what it was, how it worked, and we just kept adding elements. We're up to about 120 now. So he obviously saw this thing and presented it, and everybody in chemistry said, yes. So that's what's happening with this book. Uh, I have to tell you, wow. anybody who's read this book 
or even discussed it with me in a meaningful way as we are, mm. has had a very positive response. It's yeah, not it's about amazing me. what you've done. Yeah, I, I get that sense. What motivates you, Jim? To help people, as I've said several times mm. already. By the time I had my bachelor's degree, I knew several important things. One of the things I knew was that although I was intrinsically an engineer, I did not want to engineer inanimate objects. I wanted to engineer the human mm. psyche. This was something that really hadn't been done before. And so then I embarked on this path to eventually becoming a very successful, skilled human development engineer. Many of my clients I worked on for hundreds of hours, okay? Moving them up, moving them up, moving them up. And they kept moving up some, one day they'd move up on one scale, another day they'd move up on another scale. So they kept getting better. And the, day, the way they got better was obvious to me. I could see it and I wrote it down. And I never expressed it to anyone until I wrote the first draft of this book, which was completed wow. in late December of 95. And then I worked with it for 25 years to redundantly verify everything. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And how do you define success? I don't define success for other people. Everybody defines his own success. I have for no you. power. I, well, if I'm helping people, I'm succeeding. Now, look, I did that thousands and thousands and thousands of times as human development engineer, okay? It was not a challenge to me after all. I would know, the guy would come in, I would interview him, and I would know exactly what was going on. I'd write out the whole program, and, brrr, and he would get better. Okay? It was, hmm. it was as cut and dried as doing qualitative analysis in the chemistry lab. You know, you know how to do it, you do it. You know? So, it's all about engineering to me, okay? So... As I said, I have built a machine that will help people to improve their lives. So yeah. success for me means, you know, when a student comes to me and says, wow, this blew my mind. I'm, I understand this now. And that's what I got over and over and over from all the people who read this book beginning in 1996. That's what I got. I got very, each person had a unique response because every person is unique, but everybody had a very positive response. And the subject matter in this book is so vast that you can use this for the rest of your life because situations mm. keep coming up. Situations come up with me all the time. I see people and I'm able, I just did this yesterday with one of my clients. I, I've been talking to the guys, having some trouble. I could see exactly what was going on with him, exactly, with precision. And I spoke to him, and I told him, bop, 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 and he said, yeah, that makes sense. Because it's like telling him, it's like determining the hypotenuse in a right triangle. You know, that's something I did thousands of times as a mathematician. It, it, anywhere in mathematics, the, the Pythagorean theorem fits. It works. It always works. So right. 
these scales are the same way. And uh, if you think it's hard to use this to analyze people, you just don't understand it. Because people tell you, comes right out of their mouths. That's why I was able to observe from the presidents all the way back to FDR and other presidents prior to that who I studied, like uh, Washington and Lincoln and Jefferson, who I just as a scholar studied. They told me who they were. They told me their basic purpose. Mm. It's not a secret. So in a way, this gives you a power to evaluate people in a way you first you can analyze them, which is obviously something done in the mind. Then because you analyze them, you can predict what they're going to do, what they're going to say. And because of that, you can manage the situation. Because you'll have one guy who's high on one scale and low on another scale. For example, right. Einstein was at the highest level on the scale of human ability. He was genius. That's the highest level. But he was no saint. Saint is the highest right. level on the scale of basic purposes. Okay? He was probably at level either two, three, or four. Now, if I studied him, if I got a biography of, of his and studied him more, I could narrow that down. And I can tell you, like I can tell you with precision, the basic purpose of Alexander Hamilton was to lead. He was at level two on the scale of basic purposes. I studied Alexander Hamilton, okay? He's like many leaders. He had a terrible life. He had terrible things happen to him. He died. I think he was 51. He was killed by one of the most evil people in America. And mm. I studied him because of his greatness. And I could see he is at level two. And again, to somebody like me who knows this material, this is no big secret. I'll talk to God on the internet and just from interacting with him on the internet, I'll be able to spot him on some of these scales. Could you spot where I am on some of these scales? Sure. If I spent some time talking to you, uh, you know, that's why I say I would interview my clients, you know, Get the data. Mm. That's the first thing you have to do if you want to help somebody. You have to just talk to the person. Like I have a person I knew who was at level six on the scale of basic purposes. Uh, and that I call that level criminal. The, the objective of the criminal is pleasure. This is a giveaway. You ever see how many mafia guys are fat? Hmm. Oh, give me that cannoli. You know, they're interested in sex, food, custom-made suits, yachts, you know. That's what motivates the criminal. They don't want to get better. They don't want to help anybody. They don't want to improve anybody. They don't want to even improve any of their situation. They just want to have pleasure, okay? So, yes, it's very easy for me to analyze anyone. But as I said, I will never tell anybody his level on any scale. Unless, as I said, if you handcuff me to uh, a radiator and start beating me with a club, yes, okay, I'll tell you. But that's a fantasy. That's not going to happen. But, Certainly. you know, you have to realize as a facilitator, people told me their deepest, darkest secrets for decades, decades, okay? And I was really good at this. I knew how to listen to people and be completely non-judgmental 
and accept whatever they gave me. And so I got very used to keeping secrets. You know, I have the secrets of hundreds and hundreds of people, and I've never told anything to anybody about any client, so it's very easy for me to shut up. Uh, hmm. But, you know, there's a temptation to say, you're blah, 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 blah. Well, that's what you get in the mental health professional. They diagnose you, they say, oh, yeah, this guy's a schizophrenic. Now, I'm not arguing with them. They have their their own bailiwick and their own profession, and I'm not one of them. But yes, analyzing people is easy for me. And I can just talk to a person. And as I said, people just tell you. For example, right. the scale of choice. There's this, there are people who will not make a choice. Now, to you and I, that makes no sense. We want to choose, mm. right? You don't want to be told, you're going to have chocolate ice cream. You wanted to decide, well, let me see the menu, right? And I'll pick one that I like. That's how, but there are people who do not want to make a choice. Those are the people who vote for Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, Mao, Saddam Hussein, and Pol Pot, okay? They want a tyrant to tell them. Like in the old Soviet Union, they told you what job you will have, where you will live, what school you will go to, what profession you will have. It was all... And there are people, very downscale people, who are like that. Now, that does not make sense to most people, but those people exist. So when you run into people at these different levels, you've already read the seven levels, and it doesn't stump you. You know, I have a client who has a lot of trouble making a choice. You know, my general way of dealing with anybody is to give them a choice. I'll say, would you like to come over for tea? Or would you like to go to a restaurant? You know, just being polite, right? Some people can't decide that. It's too much for them. They want somebody else to decide for them. And there are different ways that this manifests. It's not the same for everybody. So that's just an, an example of a way to analyze people. And you can just watch people and you will see. Jim Marshall, the, I, it's fascinating. You've done you've done incredible work here, Jim. I, I really, really appreciate your time today. How can people get in touch with you? I know Septemix is available on Amazon, but you also want to kind of direct them to your website as well. Yes. Go to my website. I invite you to my website, septemix.com. That's S-E-P-T-E-M-I-C-S. And you will find what readers have said about it, what people have written about it, what uh, reviews there are, and you'll even see sections of the book. And my contact information is on the website. So if you want to contact me, every once in a while, a reader says, on page 162 in paragraph six, what did you mean? You know, and I tell them. So I'm easy to contact. The book is easy to find. If you just type the word Septemix into a search engine, you'll get hundreds of responses, including all the people who are selling the book. It's not hard to find this book. Very and good, so, Jim. Thank you so, so much for your time. I, I recommend that you try this out because you will find it works. If you're interested in improving yourself. If you're not interested in improving yourself, yeah. you don't need this book. Right. Very good. I, I really you, appreciate your time. I appreciate your insight and your uh, 
your your patience with my questions and um uh maybe one day we'll have a face to face and have a cup of coffee and a cannoli. Jim, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Hi. I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration.